So we're continuing our look this morning at Second uh, John. We'll finish that up today. We'll go uh, to Third John uh, next week. And remember, the reason why we're doing this is because these tiny little obscure letters in the New Testament is because they talk about hospitality. They talk about uh, what it means to be uh, a community together. Um, and as I've said before, you know, we need we, we need some re-instruction about that as we come out of the pandemic to kind of figure out how do you talk to people? How do you read people's faces? Um, how do you, uh, you know, just kind of figure that stuff out? Yesterday, uh, the grocery store that we typically go to uh, finally took their uh, mask mandate off if you were vaccinated. So we went to the grocery store for the first time since I guess March or April of last year without masks on her face, and um, uh, it, was, it was really funny um, because uh, some people still had masks on, good for them, uh, and, some, and a lot of people didn't, and we all stared at each other awkwardly and kind of went on about our business. And so uh, I'm really grateful that slowly but surely this time in our lives are are finally, finally ending, not the least of which is because uh, in my family, all the men, once they hit their 60s, lose their ability to hear. We're all hard of hearing, really hard of hearing. Uh, too much loud music when we were younger, uh, too much uh, uh, just loud, loud sounds. And so as we... Uh, uh, come out of this, I'm, I'm really grateful because uh, I, I can't understand people speaking behind masks. Um, and I uh, can't read lips, can't read facial expressions. It's been really hard to preach to a room full of masked people because, you know, at least when you get the... that kind of stuff, you know, you, you kind of get a sense of, oh, need to redirect here a little bit, but... Um, uh, or, you know, I'm going to turn it up even harder. You don't like that? Try this one on for size. But um, uh, I, I, I hope as we emerge from this that uh, part of what the Spirit of God will do in us is help us to exercise those muscles and remember again of what it's like to talk face-to-face, -face, to be in proximity to people. I think that's, that's, that's pretty important for us. So before I read the text, let me pray, and then we'll, we'll jump in this morning. Lord, we thank you today for loving us. We thank you for your faithfulness to us. We thank you for uh, the fact that uh, though we are often dull and unaware, your love is what sustains us, your grace, your mercy, your presence in our lives. You love us so much. And Lord, I pray that that would warm us up, Move us towards you, certainly, and towards your people. Lord, teach us what it means, uh, again, to be the embodied uh, body of Christ together, face-to-face, -face, with one another, just as you are always with us. So bless us now, we pray, in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. So uh, 2 John uh, 1, uh, 1, well, it's only... Just, just 2 John 12 through 13. This is God's word. We should hear it and respond to it as such this morning. Though I have much to write to you, I would rather not use paper and ink. Instead, I hope to come to you 
and talk face to face so that our joy may be complete. The children of your elect sister greet you. So a couple of things to keep in mind as we, uh, uh, as, as we look at this today, and I think it's, it's worth uh, saying. Back, I think, I don't know, back in the winter, I wrote a little, one of the church-wide emails, wrote a little letter about this where I said, you know, it would be good for us to be able to be back together again, more together, so that we could have some chit-chat where, you know, we could compliment each other's taste and clothes and hair and, uh, you know, just have a little conversation about stuff that's not super deep, important, or all that spiritual, really. But that's part of what we were made to do. We are made uh, to be connected. We are made to see one another. We are made to talk to one another. We are made to interact with each other. And so one of the things that has been so hard over the last 14 months is that's been truncated. And what it's done to us is it's, it's trained us in many ways to communicate in ways that are okay, but in the end, not that great, right? So you will dash off a tweet or a, 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 an angry email uh, just because you have that reaction and you would just react that way with that, that you would never say to someone face-to-face, -face. or at least I hope not. I think you would change it. I think you'd be a little different. Or, or we have those opportunities where we speak to people or we don't speak to people. And so when we, when we address them, because we're not talking face-to-face, -face, either it's by email or whatever, then, it's, uh, then it's, uh, we can't really tell what they're thinking, how they're receiving what we're giving, how they, you know, they can't tell how we are receiving it. And so the, as John gets here, it's pretty clear that he wants to come to this little church that he's been writing to, and he wants to enjoy a time together face-to-face -face with those people. Now, it's Memorial Day weekend. Did you know that? Feels, feels like uh, winter. Uh, but it actually is Memorial Day weekend. Uh, 35 years ago this weekend, we moved to Richmond. Uh, we were, uh, Marty and I were eight and nine respectively at that time. And so, uh, um, but it's a, it's, it's, a, it's a big weekend for us. We, uh, we, we marked this. Our, our son, middle son was born on uh, the 28th of May. Uh, and, and one of the things that we think about on Memorial Day weekend, since he's a soldier, is what, what it's like for families uh, of uh, military people. Uh, and so one of the things that I like to do is I like to read people's letters, partly because I'm nosy and I like to uh, look into what people are thinking. But one of the things that I have done over the last couple of weeks is found a number of collections of letters from Civil War soldiers to their families. Um, and because it reminds me a lot of my communication with my son. Um, he and I, uh, he, of course, he doesn't write. You know, uh, he only calls, and he only calls when he's in his car driving home from uh, work, uh, and because we get to hear him talk to the other drivers on the road, uh, which is anyway. Uh, I came across a letter uh, from a soldier, a, a soldier from Connecticut to his um, uh, parents, to his mom. Uh, this was written in 1862, and I just thought. 
This, we're going to learn a lot about communication just as John writes this letter. Hearing that there's a mail going out this afternoon, I thought I would improve the opportunity and write you a few lines. I'm sorry to tell you I'm not very well at present, which, you know, what a, what a great word to send to your mother, right? Uh, I was taken sick about three weeks ago with chronic diarrhea and have been in the hospital about a fortnight. That's two weeks. I've been pretty sick, but I'm getting better now and hope to be well in a few days. I would like to have you send me some things, and this is where it gets very familiar for me. I would like to have you send me some things which will come better in a barrel than in anything else. I should like some good fresh eggs, a bottle of preserves, some lemons, if you can get some good ones, some ginger root. Some butter would be very nice. It will come better in a tin can than anything else. I would like some sugar too. I wish you would all send me a, a good cider vinegar also. Keep going. Uh, I would like some pickled onions and some dried apples, some prepared chocolate. Would, he doesn't spell chocolate right. Would taste first rate as we do not get good tea and coffee. A towel and a couple of handkerchiefs will be very acceptable. Also, if there's any room for anything else, I wish that you would fill it up with onions. Notice, notice the theme here. He likes onions. He keeps keeps talking about onions. I would not want to be his tent mate. Uh, and good sound apples that are not quite ripe, that they will keep better. I don't like mealy apples either. Direct it to this thing. Please send it as soon as possible, of course. I have not heard from you since I've been here, but should like to do so uh, every mail. If convenient, please send $5 the next time you write. <laughs> that sounds familiar too, right? So... Uh, give love to all inquiring friends, and believe me, ever your affectionate son, William Norton. So I don't know what happened to William, but I just thought, hope he got his five bucks, hope he got his onions and his vinegar, so, uh, and his handkerchiefs, right, and his barrel. So the, the, the thing about that is, just imagine his mom, you know, receiving this letter probably weeks after he wrote it, thinking he's been in the hospital for two weeks, and I didn't know anything about that. Right, so, so there's just this, uh, you know, one of the things that's so interesting about that is, on the one hand, that's a really terrible way to communicate. On the other hand, this is so much of a better way to communicate than the ways we tend to very quickly just by text or by tweet, right? He actually talks. You actually get a sense of what's going on here. If I were his mom receiving this letter, I don't know William, did not know him, but if I received this letter, I would think, you know what? He might have been sick, but he sounds pretty good to me. Sounds like he's doing okay. Obviously thinking about stuff he wants to eat. And I would like to write him back and find out what he needs the $5 for, you know, so just to, 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 to think a little bit more about that, right? So human beings are just built to talk to one another, to communicate. Sometimes we do it well. Sometimes we don't. Sometimes our, our communication is full of grace. Sometimes our communication is full of love, full of care, and then sometimes it's not. Just imagine this small little church receiving a letter from the Apostle John and hearing that he's got a lot more to say to them, uh, but whatever it is that he has to say to them, he doesn't want to waste it on pen and ink. He actually wants to come to them and talk and it must be a good thing that he wants to talk to them about because he says that when he comes and they get together, they'll have a party, that they'll, their joy would be full, that they would, they would have a, a great time together. 
And so as we think about this today, I just want to urge you to think as, as we unpack this text, to think with me a little bit and to kind of take a survey in your own heart and mind about how you're doing with your own communication with the people you know and love in the body of Christ, right? So next slide. Um, so one of the things that we have had to rely on lately is, is that email, or at least you know electronic communication, might be the best way to place an order, but it's not a good way to send a love letter, is it? One of the things that I do uh, on a regular basis is I like to write handwritten notes, especially to people who are suffering, to people who are in grief. I, uh, my handwriting is terrible, but I do think that there's something about that. Now, I'm, um, it's going to start costing 58 cents, as I understand it, uh, to do that, but it's worth the 58 cents to receive something handwritten from someone. Uh, if you can't speak to someone face-to-face, receiving that, uh, I think, is, a, is, a, is, is really good. But, you know, email might be the best way to place an order, but not as a love letter. And video conferencing may be a way to look at a budget, but not a way to do dentistry. And the reason why I mention that is I saw an ad this week for teledentistry. Just reach right through that screen there, Doc, and uh, look at that bicuspid back there and, and tell me what you think. I just, now, obviously, you know what? It's better than nothing, right? But they can't drill your tooth. They can't give you dentures. They can't really buy teledentistry, right? You might be able to tell your doctor, hey, doctor, I got a bellyache, and he can write you a prescription. But the dentist can't fill your tooth through a screen. I can't really know what's going on with you until we meet face-to-face. Email's good. Video conferencing is good. But I can't really know, can't really understand what's happening with you until we are uh, in close uh, uh, proximity to one another. And the deeper and the more weighty the matter, the greater necessity we have to speak face-to-face. That's so important, right? I was talking to a mom whose son uh, was going into school uh, over the last few days uh, to do, take his SOLs and uh, because he had had his camera on on his computer all year when he walked into the classroom, the first time he was face-to-face with his teacher, the teacher knew who he was. But most of the class didn't turn their camera on, and so the teacher been teaching this classroom full of kids, did not know who these kids were now that they were face-to-face with him in his classroom to take a test. Now, maybe that's okay, but I know that a student responds to a teacher because he believes that teacher loves him. He believes that that teacher has some sort of care and concern for him. And if you can spend nine months in a class and never lay eyes on that person, especially as a kid, I just think, I don't know, I I hope we recover from that, right? Um, One of the things that we have to, to see about this is, is that when God comes to us, when Jesus, uh, uh, 
speaks. Uh, uh, he does it in the most intimate and personal fashion possible, right? And this language that John uses here is, is language that refers back to the, uh, to the Old Testament, right? Uh, he says that he wants to talk face-to-face. That's really, the word there could be face-to-face. It also could be mouth-to-mouth. It's the same language that God used when he talked about Moses in the Old Testament, where he says that when I speak to him mouth-to-mouth clearly and not in riddles, and he beholds the form of the Lord, uh, why then were you, not afraid to, were you not afraid to speak against my servant Moses? In other words, what God was saying there is he had this kind of relationship with Moses where he talked to him like I'm talking to you, face to face. And where, whatever form God was taking at that point in time, Moses was able to see that. He was able to read God's uh, body language. He was able to, to, to read how he was interacting with him, how he was talking with him, what the intonation of his voice was, and all of those things. Those things matter. We are built to be able to, take, to pick up on those things. Uh, one of the things that I love to do is when people come to talk to me, and this is one of the things that I have, have, have missed, is when people come to talk to me and need to be prayed for or need some sort of help, it is so important to be able to sit with people, have them sit across from you, and you, and, and you can look at them. And one of the things that I love is there's a certain kind of person that comes to see me, and they will talk to me, and they'll talk very flat, very unemotionally, but I watch the hives creep up their neck while they're talking to me. And so they're acting really cool, like this is not a big thing I'm telling you about but I can see the red blotches start to pop up on their neck. My daughter does this all the time, and uh, I'm, it's, it's a big joke in our family. Uh, um, at my uh, son's wedding, she was the maid of honor, and she was just one giant hive uh, the whole time. Uh, it was awesome. So she acted cool. Was she cool? No. She was a raging ocean of emotion and probably a little rage. She wouldn't be a Shelby without some rage. And so, yeah, so I think, I think it's important for us to be able to see that. So someone can be talking to me and telling me, you know what, this is not a big deal. And when they're all red up to here, I'm like, oh yeah, it's a big deal. It's eating you up, isn't it? Right? So what the apostle does is is he says to this church, listen, I want to come near to you. I want to come close to you. And when I come to you, we'll have a party because there are some great things I want to tell you. Now, apparently, he's not coming to rebuke them. Apparently, he is coming to tell them how much he loves them, coming to share the gospel with them and to, to share fellowship with them because that's what Christians do. You know, that is, that is the very definition of, what, of, what, of, what who, of who Christians are. You know, we, in America, we tend to think that the, way, that, that the way Christians function is is that we have this individual relationship with Jesus, and that's certainly important. But what Jesus does is he places us in a community. He places us in a body. He wants us to be connected to other people. Why? Because as we gather together for worship, as we, as we sit around the table together, as we drink a cup of coffee together, as we do those things, we believe that God is at work in that. We believe that the Spirit of God actually empowers our fellowship to encourage, to challenge, and, and to help one another. 
That's so important because the, 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 the fact of the matter is the world is hard, the flesh wars against us, and the devil is always accusing us. And so what do we need is we need one another face-to-face to help each other press on in the way in which God has called us to press on in, in taking God at his word, press on in loving one another, press on in forgiving each other, press on in forbearing with one another. That matters. And when we're not able to do that, it's as if we are cut off from one of the sources of strength and courage and grace and mercy that God gives to us, and we, well, we miss out on so much. I've said it before, I'll say it again, the reason why we, we structured this room to be the way it is, and the, one of the reasons why we do worship here the way we do is because part of what worship is, is not just receiving information or, or uh, singing a great tune that you can dance to or whatever the, the way we tend to think about it or hearing some great announcements or whatever, seeing cute babies come up front, whatever, whatever your thing is that you really like. The fact is we sit here like this in a room semicircular so we can see each other, so we can actually see the work of God in someone else's life. So we can actually see that when someone is sitting here in worship and they're overcome by, by grief or by joy, that we have a share in that. You know, one of the, one of the trends that I see in, in many churches, and I, I'm gone, going to meddling here, please forgive me, but when you turn the house lights off and turn the lights on just to whatever's happening up front, you cut yourself off from the reality of seeing and participating in and being a part of the work that God is doing in and among people. Now, I hear from people all the time, like, you know, those people over there distract me during worship. What they're doing, the way they handle their kids, the way they, they do that kind of stuff. And I'm like, that's awesome. Because I've been in this room for four or five months at a time when there were only 10 of us and I wanted to see a kid in here misbehaving. I wanted to see a kid in here screaming at their parents. I wanted to see a mom in consternation, not knowing what to do with their incorrigible little one, walk them out into the gallery. I wanted to be in here where we had uh, uh, days where Young couples are sitting together inappropriately. I'll let your imagination run on that, <laughs> right? That's who we are, right? So the, the body of Christ does, is not, does not exist just for uh, uh, us to come together and, and just, just receive from whatever's happening in front. We come together as a body, sharing, participating, encouraging, being in this thing together. And that's the joy of being face-to-face. That's the joy of being in the same room together. That's the joy of being embodied together uh, so that we can get close enough to one another to speak as God says here, as John says here, face-to-face. Next slide. Now, why is this? Because if we think about this for a second, we need to ask the question, well, how does God speak to us? How does, if, if, did God only speak to Moses face-to-face? How, how does he communicate with us? Well, God communicates with us in a lot of different ways. The first way he communicates to us is by the creation. And you can learn a lot about God from the creation. 
You can learn that he loves color. You can learn that he loves diversity. You can learn that he loves little things and big things. You can learn that he loves uh, uh, beauty. You can learn that he is engaged and involved with the biggest and the smallest. You can learn about the complexities of things, right? As, as, as I get older, one of the things I'm amazed at is the complexity of human joints. <laughs> Never thought about them very much, but as I've gotten older, wow, you learn a lot about how these muscles and tendons and cartilages and all this stuff fit together to make for pain-free living, right? But there's a lot about God you can't learn from creation. So God speaks to us in the Bible. And what do we learn about this God from the Bible? Well, we learn in, the, in this that he loves us. We learn that he has a design for the way he wants us to function. And he has, he has a heart for us. And he has a history with us. And, and that he makes a covenant with us. And he ties himself to us. And, and we learn all of these things. That he loves beautiful poetry and beautiful music. And, and that, uh, uh, that he comes to us as a trinity that he's revealed in the scriptures as essentially relational. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit forever. We learn from the Bible that there's never been a time that, that God never began to love you, that he's always loved you, that there was never a time in eternity past, there's never been a second ever of time where this God in the Bible did not love you. You can't learn that from looking at an oak tree, but you can learn that from reading the Bible. But more than that, God doesn't just speak to us by words on a page. As great and as impressive and as essential as that is, God speaks to us face to face by coming to us in the flesh. In the flesh. As John says in his epistle that he, he pitched his tent among us. He was right here with us. People touched him. People slept in the same place where he did. They ate with him. They, they drank with him. They laughed with him. They walked and talked. They, they heard him teach. They heard him cry. So in all of these things, God gets as close to us as he can to communicate to us his heart, his care, our need. One of the things that we see about that is, is that Jesus comes to us because with, without, without him coming to us in the flesh, we'd be lost. We'd have no hope. The world would be just, a, just, just in, 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 in trouble in a way that we could never work our way out of it. But at just the right time, God spoke to us, speaks to us by his son. He sends that which is most precious to him to us so that we would know what God is like. He speaks to us in, in the most intimate ways so that right now there is no experience that you can have of grief or joy, sadness, sickness, disappointment, disillusionment, any of those things that Jesus Christ himself did not experience. Temptation. All of those things, so that the God that we're talking about here speaks to us face to face by becoming one of us, by getting close enough to us, by becoming one of us, so that the God that we worship doesn't stand apart at us from us and bark orders at us, but comes near to us, lives our life, dies our death, rises again for us, so that we know that when we meet him face to face and he says, well done, good and faithful servant, we are seeing and looking into the face 
of love, a friend, a Lord. That's what, that's, that's, that's the nature of, of, of being uh, and seeing and understanding the necessity of us being with one another. Now, uh, one of the things that I think is so uh, important for us to, to unpack about this and, and to think about this is, oh my goodness, it's five till 10. Um, Huh? What'd you say? Did you say? Oh, not a problem. I thought you said you're a problem. <laughs> That's true. Thank you, Jay Bird. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, he is. This, maybe this face-to-face stuff isn't so great after all, right? No. Anyway, yeah. Um, but here's the thing. This, this is the thing that I want you to, to take away from this today is that one of the ways that I know that Jesus loves you, one of the ways that I know that he loves us is he gives us to each other. You are a gift. You know, you're a gift. And in God's sovereign care and plan, he places you with other believers uh, as a gift to encourage remind, uh, to come together uh, in this common uh, confession of the lordship and the grace and the mercy of Jesus Christ, that we belong to each other. And that as a result of that, uh, that we belong to one another, God gets a lot of glory in that. When he takes people like us, sinful, broken, uh, weak people, and he puts us together, and he does this work where we come together and see uh, the very uh, grace and power of Christ at work in us. He gets a lot of glory in that. Uh, one of the things I've taken uh, to doing in uh, my ministry, and I, I was able to do this at my father-in-law's funeral back uh, in December, is... Um, there, there's some, obviously, there's some great texts that you preach from when you, when you do a, a believer's uh, funeral. But one that I keep going back to more and more, Tim Keller has kind of put me onto this as well, uh, is the passage from 1 Thessalonians where Paul describes uh, the final trump where uh, the dead in Christ will rise and those of us who are still alive will meet him in the air. And one of the great phrases in that word is, and so we will be together with the Lord forever. Together with the Lord forever. That's heaven. That's that's paradise. Uh, That is the ultimate fruit for human beings of the gospel. Would you pray with me that God would supernaturally uh, do this work of strengthening us to be face-to-face with one another in preparation for that great day where we are together with him, with one another forever and ever. Let's pray. Lord, thanks today for your love for us. Thanks for your grace and mercy. Thanks. Uh, for this promise of being face-to-face. But Jesus, more than that, 
Thank you for coming face to face with us. Thank you for bearing witness to us uh, of the love uh, that you, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit have for your people, and I pray that you would help us. Lord, we are weak and broken. Uh, We are uh, self-centered and self-directed, self-focused. I pray that you would help us to see and appreciate the work that you're doing in us and in our brothers and sisters. Lord, we live uh, in a time where um, uh, we struggle uh, to love, uh, we struggle uh, to be face-to-face, and so I pray that you would, uh, you would help us. Jesus, uh, I pray that you would, as we've already sung today, pour your spirit out upon us in newness and freshness to enable us uh, to be Uh, the body of Christ together. Would you do that? In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. So let's confess our sins together by using uh, this confession of of sin that's uh, in the bulletin. Pray with me. Holy God, when you call us to follow you with great boldness, we tremble and cover our eyes. We are afraid of what we will see. Your greatness unveils our weakness Your justice unveils our iniquity, and your holiness unveils our stained hearts and minds. Lord Jesus Christ, forgive us our sins. Give us the strength to renounce that which hides you from us. Lift our eyes to see the glory of God in the face of Christ. Give us the wisdom to trust your atoning sacrifice. We believe. Help our unbelief that we might know the freedom and power of your cross. Amen. Brothers and sisters, hear these words of encouragement. God, who said, let light shine out of darkness, has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. He who raised the Lord Jesus will raise us also with Jesus and bring us with you into his presence.
Yeah.